1: Welcome back in. Hey, I quickly want to remind you that if you're looking for a lucrative side hustle, you need to check out the Alpha Beta Report at the thealphabetareport.com. When you get there, there's a Jack Windsor tab. You can click on it and enter the discount coupon code Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, and uh, these guys will hook you up with some discounted training and education, investing, the markets, stuff that will help take – a small amount of money and turn it into a towering asset. Thank you to the Alpha Beta Report for your continued support of the Ohio Press Network. Check them out at the alphabetareport.com. That's alphabetareport.com. Report.com. All right, Mark R. Weaver, he's an author. He wrote a wordsmith's work, uh, former deputy attorney general, state of Ohio, media law attorney, crisis communications advisor, adjunct professor, prosecutor, and friend of the Bruce Hooley Show. Mr. Weaver, welcome back in today. How are you?
2: Good morning. Uh, It's always interesting in the news when we talk. There's always something that touches on law, crisis, government, media. So I'm always pleased to be with you.
1: Well, thank you. And I'm pleased to have you here because um, a lot of what I say is probably bunk. But when you say it, it matters because you have experience and perspective. And that being said, I want to dive right in. There are two things I want to talk about today if we have time. Uh, a a report on gun crimes in Ohio, which I thought was pretty interesting. But, uh, you know, we can't bury the lead here, Mark. Forty documents were published by the Southern District of New York on Wednesday related to the civil case involving Jeffrey Epstein, um, who many claim did not hang himself, who was arrested and later died in his jail cell in 2019. Uh, The death ruled suicide by a medical examiner. Mark, I spent until about two this morning combing through and reading, and I'm about 22 of the 40 files completed. I'm going to give you the stage here. What did you see? Did you have a chance to look at things? And what do our listeners need to understand about this tranche of documents that has been released?
2: Well, people should welcome transparency in the courts. As a prosecutor Nearly everything I do is available for the public to review. So I'm a part-time prosecutor. And when I, in fact, I just prosecuted a child rapist a couple months ago in, in Marion County. And so all of that is open for public records inspection. The federal government's a little different. Ohio's got pretty robust public records law. Just now has a federal judge started to unseal and allow us insight into some very, uh, very troubling deposition and other documents that show that very powerful people interacted with Jeffrey Epstein may have helped him, uh, you know, in his uh, ability to get what it was essentially a sweetheart deal from the federal prosecutor in Florida to not be prosecuted for child sex offenses.
1: So, uh, yes, it, it, a couple things, and I want to hit that. But I, I just so there's, you know, depositions uh, what I think are like interrogatories or maybe they're called something different. But basically, hey, Uh, Giselle you're not answering all these questions we need the court to compel you to answer these questions directly there was some of that back and forth what's the difference between I mean a a deposition should we put more weight in it was there anything in any of the depositions that you saw that's compelling but I want to so that's question one and then question two and then I'll let you answer both of them um, and I'll shut up believe it or not but um, this secret non-prosecution agreement that's what I read and I want wait a minute it was secret. So they were so, – so the feds are interviewing uh, people who alleged to be victims, and the victims are thinking, hey, I'm giving them this information. We're going to put the bad guys away, and not so fast. There, there was a special agreement. Is that, is that something we should be shocked about?
2: I think yes. The non-prosecution agreements are somewhat common. I entered into one years ago as a special prosecutor prosecuting a public official. I insisted he resign and I would agree to uh, do a a non-prosecution agreement if he resigned from office, which he did. And so I thought that was in the interest of justice, but it was all transparent. It was all made public, all public records. Anybody could look at it. We told the people of that county all about it. It's when it's done secret that's a problem. So there's nothing wrong with a non-prosecution agreement, but if victims are not told about it, before it gets entered, then victims' rights have been trampled upon. Here in Ohio, voters a few years ago amended our state constitution to give even more rights to victims of crime. So as a prosecutor, if I want to resolve a case, I'm required to tell the victims about it ahead of time, ask them for their opinion. They don't get to drive the boat. They don't get to say what the outcome will be, but they get to have input. It's got to be meaningful input. That did not happen. This numerous, at the time, children, um, sex victims of Epstein, were largely in the dark about this what appears to be a sweetheart deal by the federal prosecutors in Florida. And so Epstein did a state uh, sentence in in a work release program, kind of light duty for a sex offender, and then uh, was released. And then when these charges came back up again is when he went into federal custody and died under very questionable circumstances.
1: (laughs) Is And pardon my ignorance on this, is is one of the uh, goals, if you will, of the sweetheart deal of a non-prosecution agreement, particularly if it's secret, is the goal maybe there are bigger players involved here and there's a bigger network and we're going to really look hard at that and try to take down some bigger names?
2: Sometimes. I mean, if, if you're going up the chain, as we say in prosecution world, you typically want guilty pleas. You want someone to plead guilty to a lesser offense in return for honestly testifying against somebody else higher up in the chain. So a non-prosecution agreement can be used in that way, but more typically you see guilty pleas to to lesser offenses. I don't know, I mean, obviously Epstein is running with some pretty important people mm-hmm. uh, and, and so maybe someone would suggest that this non prosecution agreement was to get his cooperation against some of the big names we've heard in this story, but that never happened that's that's what's so odd. Where yep. were the in- indictments of these other people uh that you would expect to have happened within several months of a non prosecution agreement being entered
1: and that to me is the crux of it and you know. This is what this is where conspiracists I think get it wrong. You know, you try to connect dots that are not connectable. But I look at something like this and I go, "Okay, there's a non-prosecution agreement and we've waited all this time for this information and now it's out. Nothing seems to have been done." And oh, by the way, you know, the Bidens are now being investigated by Congress and we we see that the federal uh, the, the FBI really kind of sat on information regarding Hunter Biden, Joe Biden at all for 5 years. And, and as an American citizen, I look at this and I go, Rules for thee. There are two tracks of justice. Um, how do you, man, do you, I don't even know what the question is there. See, I'm getting frustrated already, Mark. Um, but you can probably save me here, so give me a shovel. Help me dig Yeah,
2: this is a concerning time in America. I, I worked at the Department of Justice, at Maine Justice, at the headquarters. I interacted with the top officials there on a daily basis. They were good people. Mm-hmm. Now, in every workplace, you find some people who are rotten eggs here and there, but largely people were trying to do a good job. Lately, we have seen instances of federal prosecutors acting politically rather than what's in the best interest of Americans. And it makes average citizens wonder whether the system is rigged. It's a fair question to ask. It's our system. Mm -hmm. We're the ones who employ these people. And so we have the right to know about what government officials do in most cases, and we have the right to be able to question why something was done. We don't see a lot of that happening, a lot of that transparency happening in the Epstein files.
1: So um, one final question here, and then we'll quickly go over to this gun report. But do you expect, now? this is a civil case, so this was released because of a request, I assume, but this doesn't mean that anyone down the line is going to get prosecuted or anything will happen, Based on your understanding so far, is there a possibility that somebody might find themselves in court at some point down the road?
2: It's always possible. Uh, uh, Statutes of limitation for sex offenses are longer, but many of these happened a long, long time ago. I think this is much more about public accountability. And remember, not all the files have been released. That's right. The ones you were reading last night was just the first tranche, more to come. Uh, But anybody who's named in there in a way that shows they may have been complicit ought to be answerable to those stakeholders in their world, even if they can't be answerable in a court of law.
1: Yeah, and there are a lot of names. We'll go over those later. Let's jump over here. So report gun crime falls after constitutional carry in Ohio. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost said Wednesday uh, ending restrictions on concealed carry in the state did not lead to a rise in violent crime. In fact, Mark, in some big cities, crime actually went down, didn't it?
2: Yes. I I was on many interview shows over the years where I had liberals accuse uh, this new statute, this new law of it's going to be the wild, wild west. People will die. Crime is going to uh, skyrocket because law-abiding citizens will be able to carry guns. So this was not just coming from the Attorney General's office. These are researchers from Bowling Green State University who looked at the data. uh, And because... In 2022, when when Ohio legislators allow citizens to carry a concealed weapon without a permit, uh, crime didn't go up. In fact, crime went down. Mm. Now, we've had this right all along. In addition to the Second Amendment, Article one, Section four of the Ohio Constitution.
1: About 10 seconds, Mark. I'm sorry to do that to you. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Here's a short answer. Allowing law abiding people to carry weapons makes us safer, not more dangerous.
1: We are on the same page in the hymnal, my friend. Mark Weaver, thank you for joining us today, sir.
2: Have a good
1: day. You as well. Stay tuned. More on the other side of the break. Thanks again, Mark R. Weaver, for uh, talking with us about um, the gun report short story. When law-abiding citizens have guns, communities are safer. It's a hard concept. Shocker. Hard concept for the intelligentsia to to grasp. You know what? You know what gets people in trouble? The superfluous guns, oh. the extra guns not owned by law. <laughs> How am I doing? You're do I good. sound like an expert yet? You're
3: good. But well, you got your glasses on. I got my also. glasses back on. You know one thing out of that whole thing, and I was listening. I was also answering phones and things like that. My own personal cell phone, which I bring into the studio and shouldn't do. He said something that just I can't agree with more. Mm-hmm. These. Elected officials are public servants. They work for us and they forget that whenever they go to the state house, to the white house or wherever. And it frosts my cookies every time they come out and they almost condescend and talk to us. It's like, well, you tell intelligentsia, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, we're here now. You know, you got the local rep that goes to the state house and all of a sudden he's not your guy anymore. That's right. Can't Get to him. Yeah. Like what happened between local, to the seat you now occupy mm-hmm. and and i understand they're they're lobbyists that are demanding their time and getting their time but joe smith that puts you in office can't seem to get a minute with you
1: mm. well and you know i to me it really stood out with ties pies and lies that's what i called dewine's daily COVID presser back in the oh. day ties pies and i remember that i mean it was like a variety show it was, it was embarrassing.
3: Dun, 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 I mean, dun, dun, dun,
1: Amy Acton talked to, to me like I was a kindergartner. Yes. And um, it was insulting. And then when you asked hard questions, you got put at the back of the line. That happened to me. I'm giving my, my personal experience. This isn't speculation. Uh, you know, I'm third one day, ask a hard question. The next day I'm 18th and then 19th and then 21st. And so you, you don't get a question that day. And then eventually they figure out a way to weasel out and not allow you into the press conference. And, yeah, because
3: uh, you, you eventually weren't allowed, right? I
1: was barred from the press conference. And the, the reason that I was barred was actually part of it was my own volition, and I've got to be forthcoming about that. Um, I had worked for a news outlet, and then another news outlet wanted to hire me as their managing editor. And I said, well, I'm going to do both, but since most of my work is going to be the managing editor role, I think it would make sense to have this press pass refreshed and have – you know, identifying me as aligned with this. And uh, they found a reason to say that that news outlet is not legitimate. You may not come into the press. Loopholes. Superfluous loopholes. Superfluous <laughs> loopholes. You are a superfluous uh, actor, Jack. You're not a member of the State House press corps. Uh, never mind the, the questions. See, this is what people don't get. People go, Well, you were a conspiracist. You were, I would spend hours a day, I, I would get hundreds of email messages from Ohioans going, This doesn't make sense. Can you ask the governor this? Can you ask the governor that? So the questions that I was asking were coming from Ohioans. And I would work really hard to back up the question with data points so that I didn't sound like I was just, you know, some Joe Donuts out of left field. Here's a dumb question. Well, governor, here's this data point and that data point. This seems to align with the fact that when you uh, put a mask mandate into effect, cases actually went up. How do you explain that? Serfs, knaves, 'er ne'er-do-wells. What do we know? What do we know? Because we're not the intelligentsia we're just superfluous. Um and so the point is um I don't know what the point is but we sure we sure talked well about it. Um we could probably apply to Harvard now, at least to become president. As
3: Harvard. long as we keep wearing our glasses. As
1: long as we keep wearing our glasses and borrowing other people's information and uh saying that it's just duplicitous in in mindset. It's it's not it's it's not really copying verbatim word for word. So thank you Mark Weaver. Um you know the other thing Mark said that I thought was really powerful was that this is the first tranche of documents. There's going, there are going to be more. And this is really about the public having access to information. And it really then is incumbent upon us as informed citizens of the world in which we live to make sure that we understand what we have our hands on, whether it's a deposition, whether it's, you know, an attorney representing one party in a lawsuit claiming X versus somebody under oath saying, no, this is what happened. And this is how I recollect it happened. And, you know, I want to read you a a few things because I just, I mean, these documents are here. You're, you're wondering about them. I know your curiosity is piqued. Um, And this is about holding people accountable in the public sphere. Right. And the left loves to do that. And the press loves to do that. So if you go to the Ohio Press Network, um, the story on um, on Jeffrey Epstein, you'll see his mugshot there. You can click on that. And then the 40 links to the 40 different documents are in the story, and you can just start opening them up and, and reading them. But um, the allegations that Clinton had a meal on Jeffrey's Island is 100 percent false. That's what Maxwell said. But he may have had a meal on Jeffrey's plane. I'm sure he had a meal on Jeffrey's plane is what Maxwell said. And then Doug Band, uh, he used to work or still works for Bill Clinton. Uh, We are talking about a relationship. Was there an adult consensual relationship between Maxwell and band? And they'd kind of go on and on. And, but it's interesting is um, (laughs) define long-term relationship, right? So she's kind of clarifying. And then she's talking about a trip that Bill Clinton took with them. And I recollect the trip, but if you're asking me where we stayed, you can see it's a very fast paced trip. Uh, it was very tiring, and uh, then she, she goes on, and oftentimes her her attorney would say objection to the form and foundation. Um, so the question might be, uh, was Johanna Scho- Schoberg a masseuse? And then the attorney says objection, and then and then Maxwell says, well, what are you asking me? I am sorry. Well, I don't know. Was was Johanna? Schoberg a a masseuse. (laughs) And and so then there's kind of this like, you know, being very careful to and I understand it's a deposition. People would say, well, of course, she's going to be careful. Um, Virginia Roberts obviously is mentioned in Maxwell's deposition. Uh, Mar-a-Lago is mentioned in Maxwell's deposition. So the left will have a heyday with that. You know, Mar-a-Lago is a private club, 500 people, which I believe Jeffrey Epstein was kicked out of circa 2007 for harassing a teenage daughter of one of the members. Um, I don't know if that's ever been reported. Um,
3: nothing to see here.
1: Yeah. Nothing to see here. Uh, let's see. So mar in there. Um, here's something really interesting though. Um, so this, this girl, uh, Johanna Schoberg gives a deposition and the deposition's pretty powerful. I know we've only got a, a minute here because she's pretty candid, and she doesn't. You know, you read through this, you can often tell if somebody's embellishing or trying to throw somebody under the bus. Um, some of the questions, uh, you know, had you ever met Kate Blanchett or Leonardo DiCaprio? I have not. I would have remembered. But Jeffrey Epstein would, you know, pretend that he, or maybe he was talking to them on the phone, then he would brag about it. Um, did you ever meet Donald Trump? No. Did you ever give Donald Trump a massage? No. Uh, did you ever meet Senator? And then it's blank. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I don't think so. But maybe he looks familiar. Did you ever meet Al Gore? No. Alan Dershowitz? No. Les Wexner? No. Um, Tom Pritzker? No. Kevin Spacey? No. But were they on the island? Right. That's the other question. Um, but she does admit that. Do you know if Bill Clinton was a friend of Jeffrey Epstein? I knew he had dealings with Bill Clinton. I did not know they were friends until I read the Vanity Fair article about them going to Africa together. He said one time that Clinton likes them young, referring to girls. So that to me was one of the salacious things. But again, that's hearsay unless there is direct evidence.